1: Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison, and this week we're here talking with three Millennials. um, And I want them to just briefly introduce themselves to you and let you know who they are. Uh, Let's start with Becca.
2: Hi, I'm Becca Godwin. I was recently an AJC employee, and this is what my voice sounds like.
1: (laughs) Hello,
0: Stephanie Toon, current AJC employee,
3: older Millennial.
0: And I'm Zach Hansen. I'm also a current HAC employee, and I barely count as a millennial,
1: depending on who you ask. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the thing. Uh, we we were talking about uh, the numbers. Uh, people usually define millennials as somewhere between 1980 and 1996. Those numbers vary a bit, um, but you know people tend to put them in a little box. But as we will discover, there are definite differences. Uh, between millennials especially one thing that we have spoke about uh is the difference between the 80s and 90s there's definite uh sort of split there because of the technology let's talk about how you feel about people um you know putting you in that box and looking down on millennials and generalizing and that sort of thing becca what do you what would you say about that
2: um so older people can tend to Be hard on millennials and think that we're just the worst. Um, (laughs) But I like to think that most of the time they're saying that and thinking that um, in sort of an endearing way. Like they, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of fun to like shake your fist and say, Oh, these kids these days, they're just, you know, not like it was my day and and that's fine you can say that but we are also you know we're doing the best that we can with the things that we've been given and um so I hope I mean that might be an optimistic like spin on it but I I'd like to say that people are sort of you know saying it in a like laughing at or with us not
1: at us (laughs) way right (laughs) yeah yeah well and and that's something that generations have always done is you know they they tend to stereotype the the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um it's that that is certainly nothing new.
0: I mean because especially when you look at how you know expands over two decades for some by some right. definitions there's a right. lot of differences between if you grew up 80s 90s yep. all of this kind of stuff. So for every kind of box you can put us in there's yep. like 50 molds that we all break as yeah. well that I
1: think you know we kind of
0: in her own way, are doing it to and you know, to...
1: yeah, well, that's true. I mean, it's <laughs> it's interesting that that I mean, within within that time period, there there's obvious differences, and so some people would, you know, An older millennial might put a younger millennial in in one of those little boxes, too. Mm -hmm. Which is true. We we do that. As an older (laughs) millennial, I I speak for the whole force. No, I mean, you know, Zach's
3: right. I mean, we're we're all different types of people. So I jokingly put, you know, younger millennials in a box versus us older millennials. Um, We're Beyonce millennials. They're Drake millennials. There's a little bit of a difference because we just came up with a little... You know, we came up at a different time. You know, there was a little less of everything being readily made available to you, I think. yeah, That may be some of the, when older folks, even older than the older millennials, look at this group of folks, that may be what they're thinking. Like, oh, they don't know how good they have it. And in some ways, I think us older millennials might look at those young folks coming up like, you know, you have the (laughs) world in the palm of your hands.
1: And that's the thing. It's like technology had a lot to do with the changes over that time period, because you think about how how different things were in 1990, I mean 1980 versus 1996, the the difference in the technology is huge, and the de- difference that that we had in access to that technology and access to each other, mm-hmm. I think, changed a lot. So I think that probably had a lot to do with it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think one of those subcategories is ex-lineal. And that's for the the older millennials. And that might have just been, I don't know how that came about, but I imagine it was some of the older millennials tired of being in a group with the rest of us and they they decided to Make right. themselves X-Lineals. Right. Yeah. So I guess
1: because it's put you closer to Generation X as well, which would have been before, mm-hmm. right? Or is it Generation Y? What's the break I off? I, I think
0: Y is millennial, X is before, and Z is after. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay.
1: Goodness. Yeah, it's Something all very is. confusing. <laughs> all, of these, all of these little little groups that, uh, you know, it's it's not just people. but It's like marketers and, and, you know, people who want to sell you things. that want to mm-hmm. put you into those little boxes.
3: That's what I was thinking when you talked about like the whole like, oh, well, what what is this ad? It adds just like with the baby boomers. They were catering those Toyotas towards baby yep. boomers and now they're like, oh, you like Instagram this much? Why not have this app on your phone so you right. can tell when someone blocks you or when you lose a follower or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they know Ooh, that's what to, a thing? that is a thing. <laughs> oh, that's friend. 100% a <laughs> thing. That's for very that app, much though, a thing. <laughs> my whole point. So, yeah, I think it's as much to do about advertising and in these hard yeah. times of, like, marketing to people that have, by some some viewpoints, have outsmarted some of the marketing and advertising right. that was more traditional. You know, why not either cater to them, make fun of them a little. You're going right. to get at least some percentage of the millennial audience if you play that little game. So I right. think it's much more about Bad. yeah so know.
1: as it's always been it's often about selling you something money <laughs> money, money yeah <laughs> so um so tell me what what do you think are the indicators of a robust social life
2: um that's an interesting question uh <laughs> it's not something I think about often but I would say you know in today today's world it's kind of hard to talk about a social life without sort of like I feel like there's a social media element to it because whenever you go out and do something, you're, you know, there's that phrase, like, if you didn't Instagram it, it didn't happen or whatever. Um, and so I think like that there are, there are activities today where it's like specifically you go to get the Instagram, which I hate. I hate that idea. Like you should, that should be secondary, but, um, there are those, you know, there are exhibits or or murals around town where it's like, "Go there and Instagram it, yeah, and um things like that. But I think. An indicator of a robust social life would be just like the amount of variety and different things you're doing and um, making sure to explore, explore your city and do that with friends. And um, as long as you're, you know, as long as you're never bored, then you're good. And there's no reason you should be like wanting for things to do in Atlanta because there's so much that the city has to offer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? I mean, social life, like how it's maybe, you know, what do you think indicates a a robust social life?
0: I mean, I I would describe it as just kind of like, like, kind of like, you know, you said just not, being bored as long as you're kind of having fun with it it's kind of however you define your own social life it is kind of interesting you brought up social media because that is kind of almost like a separate life social life that you have the one right. you're pre- the one you're presenting versus the one you're having yeah. <laughs> but i think as long as it's you know if it's, as long as it's supplemental to what you're doing i don't think there's anything wrong with that right yeah <laughs> but yeah. And again, in, in Atlanta, there's so many, there is so many different things. I'm not from Atlanta originally, and you can kind of see all like the hot, trendy areas to go to, all sorts of different restaurants that I never would have had in middle right. Georgia where I'm from. Right, yeah. And, you know, it's just kind of fun. It's a fun to explore and do that kind of thing. And I think that's at least somewhat of a millenn- like a millennial attitude.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting because it's like we've got social media But then, you know, there's social uh, life, too. It's like, and, and, you know, sometimes they do intersect, I guess, a lot for a lot of people. Uh, But then, you know, you have to keep them separate, too, I think, in some ways. Uh, You want to go out and actually enjoy life, right? Right.
3: Yeah, and for me, some weekends that I don't ever post an Instagram story, I might have really had a great time with my, as a millennial parent, I guess I have a different perspective. Right. Because there may be things where my son and I went out on a venture, you know, our whole family, and we did certain things that I, maybe I wasn't thinking about Instagram storying it, if that was a term, or whatever the case might be. So I do think there's a little bit of judgment. I mean, both of you guys seem to be like really level-headed millennials, but I do feel like there's some pressure that, you know, you know, some people will buckle under that pressure to make it seem like I'm doing the things that are the things to do. Like you have to be at right. that special hot spot or whatever the case might be. So, I mean, there's some judgment. The things that I would say I had a great weekend doing are not. I am definitely shouldn't put it on Instagram because it's not going to be if I'm doing it to be like, oh, look, this is a cool thing. Right. People are going to be like, why the heck? Yeah. Did you put that on? <laughs> well, heck, heck, <laughs> did you put it on Instagram? So, yeah, I think it, it kind of is a little weird game of like, yeah, definitely share your moments and have a great time. Yeah. And that's a positive part of it. But... You could, perfect, you could have a perfectly great weekend and it never make it to the public realm. All
0: right.
1: Yeah. Just enjoy your life, I guess.
3: Because that's
2: the other thing is like FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, and before, you wouldn't know you were missing out until until you actually had a conversation with that person and they were right. telling you about the great thing they did. And then you'd be like, oh man, that sounds great. I wish I was there. But with social media, it's instantaneous. It's like, oh my God, I can see what they're doing and I'm not there and I better go out and do something to have fun. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes a robust social life is like, Sitting at home and not leaving your house and yeah. taking time to yourself. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And I mean, <laughs> everybody can appreciate that. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so um, uh, uh, here's another sort of element of, of our lives. It's like our political engagement. It's like um, it's like what to, what does it mean to be politically engaged? I mean, what 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 would you do, or are you politically engaged, and what what are the indicators of that?
2: That's a tough question for <laughs> us, yeah. right? That that uh, would be a tough
1: question for for folks I mean, in the, in the journalism business because mm-hmm, you know that's not something mm-hmm. we can really do exactly. Um, yeah. yeah,
2: but to speak for you know my friends and and what I see, again, um, it's so hard to just talk about it without going into the social social media world, because, you know, in one sense, it's debating people on Facebook that you're probably never going to meet in real life and and possibly never have any real impact on. But but maybe you will, you know. And um, so a lot of it is for for my friends, you know, going to marches, um, making sure that you're calling your, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's how it always been, yeah. how it's always been is um, being as vocal as you can about the the things you believe in and the change you want to see. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah.
3: It's sort of hard not to be politically engaged in the sense that this 24-7 cycle is like, if there were more hours that could be added, it would be that. Right. Because it's like, yeah, <laughs> we can't necessarily go out and do marches or put signs in our yard, right. but it's really impossible not to be very aware of it. And I think there is, that's one of the positive aspects that they say about millennials. You know, we are so, so like ultimately, like almost ominously aware of every, you know, from the environment to, you know, we are just, you know, not all knowing, but just the information is so readily available. So it's hard not to be politically aware. We may not be as politically engaged, yes. but mm-hmm. you know, definitely there's a lot of information and sometimes it's overwhelming. It almost mm-hmm. right. makes you want to pull out wherever you stand on those issues. It's just right it's just a lot.
0: Yeah, I know many people that get you know that especially with it being twenty four hours and every single medium you could possibly absorb politics and news from like you have to disengage at some points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well that's the thing. I mean it's it's more more like filtering the the all that knowledge and, and figuring out what it is that's that's true, what's not, what's true for you. Um I think it's yeah, less not being politically engaged as some people used to be, as you know, figuring out what parts you want to, want to. be mm-hmm. <laughs> involved yeah. in mm-hmm. and pay attention to. All right. So um This is this is interesting. It's like someone asked about why people feel the need to put millennials in a box Mm -hmm. or any generation in a box. I mean, that's sort of a a thing that that we've always done, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, old people older than me put my generation in a box and, and et cetera. It's always that way. I mean, why do you think that people feel the need to do that?
0: I mean I think some of it is just our nature to group ourselves for community. Right. I yeah. think in the same way that we think of ourselves and you know however however you define yourself some people define themselves by their generation, you know, as we think of baby boomers, as we think of the greatest generation. Um the, you know the aspects that tie you together where you you know kind of immediately recognize somebody from there and have some kind of kinship.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean we do tend to, you know, I guess we tend to socialize with people of our our similar age as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, the older generation tends to, I I guess, maybe they generalize too much. I mean, and that's that's part of the, the issue with putting people in boxes.
2: Yeah, and I would say that, you know, it's easy to, if we're doing the putting people in boxes things, the implications of that are like, If every young person you see on their cell phone, say like on Marta, they might quickly jump to, oh, well, that person's just scrolling through Instagram or Facebook and they're just wasted and they're just, you know, whatever. But actually, we might be reading a book on our phone or working or, you know, doing something super productive. It's just the difference of how that appears to people who aren't remembering to, you know, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know exactly what's going on in their life. So don't just like immediately jump to we're being mindless.
1: Right. Yeah. It, yeah. That's the thing. Making assumptions about about people's lives when you don't really know what what their life is like. Exactly. Well, I want to thank everybody for being here. Uh, this has been great. Uh, we love hearing from different viewpoints, and that's that's what this is really all about. Hearing. What, uh, what everyone has to say. Um, so I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Yeah, um, thank you.
0: Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having us.
1: Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next 10 days. It's a night of rap royalty at State Farm Arena on Saturday, January 5th. The enduring Snoop Dogg headlines this touring hip-hop gathering. From musical pioneer to Martha Stewart co-host, Snoop has had a career that constantly surprises and confounds. He'll bring along Bone Thugs and Harmony, which last year marked 25 years since 1993 debut album, Faces of Death. The show also features Corrupt and Warren G. Warren G.'s own debut album, Regulate, G-Funk Era, turns 25 years old in 2019. Start the new year with a night of old-school West Coast hip-hop at State Farm Arena beginning at 7 p.m. on January 5th with Snoop Dogg and Friends. Tickets are $125 to $155, and you'll find them, along with more info, at StateFarmArena.com. Ready for a respite from the winter weather? Are you dreaming of summer days on the lake or by the sea? Whether you fish, ski, or just cruise, the Atlanta Boat Show is your water wonderland. The aquatic fun begins on Thursday, January 10th, and continues through Sunday, January 13th. They'll showcase more than 600 boats and the latest in marine accessories and products. This is the 57th year for the Boat Show, which offers lots of activities in addition to the unparalleled boat shopping experience. Job seekers will find a new career fair in partnership with Lanier Technical College, and the young ones can take the Touch a Boat Tour and enjoy nautical story times. There will also be more than 100 sailing and fishing seminars and special boats and brews happy hours with Red Hair Brewing Company. The Atlanta Boat Show happens at the Georgia World Congress Center in downtown Atlanta from January 10th through the 13th. Tickets are $15, but there's a $3 discount if you purchase online in advance before January 9th. Ages 12 and younger get in free. Find out more and get advance tickets at atlantaboatshow.com. It's been less than a year since the former NSYNC superstar Justin Timberlake graced Atlanta stages. In May, he brought his Man of the Woods tour to Infinite Energy Arena in Duluth, and now he's back in town to play the newly refurbished State Farm Arena downtown. In a review of the May show, the AJC's Melissa Ruggieri wrote, quote, Timberlake and his expert backing band, The Tennessee Kids, have perfected a two-hour show that deftly magnifies a set list spanning his 15-year-plus solo career. Timberland's walking-on-air dance moves, his goofy everyman-like ability, and a stage that is truly inventive, unquote. It's unlikely that a show this tightly choreographed has changed much in the months since his last appearance. And if you're ready to experience it again, it's sure to be an entertaining way to kick off the new year. Tickets are $53.50 to $254, and you can get those and find more info at statefarmarena.com. Ever wonder what it took to craft the script for the classic film Gone with the Wind? Georgia Ensemble Theatre's Moonlight and Magnolias offers one version of how it all came together. Based on a true story, the play takes place in the office of Hollywood producer David O. Selznick. Selznick pulls in Victor Fleming, who should be busy directing The Wizard of Oz, and screenwriter Ben Hecht, who hasn't even read the Margaret Mitchell novel on which the film is based, to work on the script. With the cast in place and filming set to begin soon, it's the very last and very vital piece of the puzzle. Don't miss George Ensemble Theater's Moonlight and Magnolias, an homage to an American movie classic and its creators at the Roswell Cultural Arts Center in Roswell. Tickets are $29 to $40, and they're available at get.org. For more things to do around Metro Atlanta, head to accessatlanta.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith, podcast edited by Ryan Horn, music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen, and I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.